Hello, and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Michelle Friedman from YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Hody Nemus, a second-year student, and I'm also at Chovave. Okay, and in each episode, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah reading of the week. So this week, we're in the book of Vayikra, Leviticus, and the portion is Bahar, in English, in the mountain. And we're going to be referring to chapters 25 and 26. And our theme today is going to be establishing security. We're going to focus especially on personal security, but we recognize that there are many kinds of securities that could be talked about. Each week, we use a vignette to give color to the theme that we're talking about. We're going to continue with the vignette that we started last week that had to do with an allegation of past sexual molestation. This was not an easy story. To remind you, Jeremy, who is 44 years old, a successful businessman, he's married, he has children, and he's fairly distantly connected to his family of origin. Jeremy has a younger sister, Mindy, she's 38, Mindy lives at a distance, but contacts her brother and tells him that she has been working through some issues in her own therapy, having to do with emotional and sexual intimacy, and she had put together memories of Jeremy looking at her, touching her inappropriately when she was about 10 or 12, and he was 15 to 17. Now, Jeremy, as you may remember, acknowledges that it was all true. He's horribly ashamed, and he offers to pay for Mindy's therapy. Okay, so this is where we're picking up and going forward in today's uh, podcast. We're in new territory. It's four years later, and there's the family, the larger family is getting together for a reunion for their parents' 50th anniversary. It's kind of a family jubilee year. Wow. Yeah, and Mindy's son and daughter are just around the ages she was when Jeremy, her brother, the uncle of these kids, molested her. Mindy is very upset about Jeremy being around her kids. She doesn't feel it's safe for them, and she feels that for her to be able to go to this reunion, she needs to disclose her brother's past molestation of her to the whole family so that everybody can watch out and be safe, feel secure. Okay, so let's pause that story on a bit of a cliffhanger, and we'll take some time to consider and perhaps encourage you to consider how you would react uh, to this situation. But we're first going to give you a little overview of this week's Parsha, which hits on some of the themes that I think come up in that story. Bihar is all about, I think, rhythms, rest, and restriction. Nice. Um, it's primarily about the sabbatical year, Shemitah, and the Jubilee, Yovel. And those two embody one of the greatest social and environmental engineering projects in the whole, the whole of the Torah. And it really is about creating a sense of security, of uh, avoiding a permanent underclass, so that every 50 years, everyone is required to return to their ancestral holdings. If you've lost your family farm, you get to go back every 50 years. And every seven years, everything becomes ownerless and uh, slaves also go free. So um, there's a verse 
chapter 25, 18, that sums this up quite well at the end of the laws of the Jubilee. And it says, Ve'asitam et chukotai ve'at mishpatai tishmeru v'asitam otam v'ishavtam al ha'aretz lavetach. Which means, and you shall do my laws and observe my judgments and do them. So you will live on the land in security. So wow, this really seems to... Um pose kind of a conundrum for our vignette because um, certainly it is against laws for a brother to molest his sister and certainly everybody deserves to live in security. So what kind of impact does this have on the vignette? And particularly in this vignette we're having a jubilee reunion as you alluded to earlier. This is the the uh, a reminder I think of the Torah's every 50 years encouraging families to come back together in a cyclical family reunion ordained by, uh, by the Torah itself. So I, before we you know, get a real handle on this situation, I'd like to get a better sense of this situation we've described. Is it rare? Is it common? And what would you say to a listener who's had a similar kind of situation in their life? Yes, um, we're talking, just to be clear, not about necessarily family reunions only for parents' 50th anniversaries, but the, but the situation of some kind of sexual impropriety, molestation in an intimate family setting. And sadly, it's not that rare. These stories abound. Unfortunately, there are violations of personal dignity, uh, personal body integrity, between various members of families. The most common are between what you might think, people who have greater power and the more vulnerable ones who are either younger, uh, more influenced, more needy, or, or yearning for affection. And there's unfortunately, sexual abuse happens in good families. That's a very hard thing for a lot of people to hear because people want to believe that if you are a good family and a good person, you're safe. That's surprising. So where does that where is that coming from? It's coming from people's. If we knew where this came from, I would be getting the Nobel Prize right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know the um, the backstory, the why of sexual abuse is a long and complicated saga, which. Nobody really knows the exact answer to, but it probably comes from feelings of powerlessness, from wanting to control. A good takeaway is that sexual abuse is much more about power than it is about sexual gratification. Really? And what kinds of outcomes do you see in families that face this? I think the kind of thing that we see with Mindy and Jeremy that a uh, distortion, a perversion of family relationship goes deep and it sets off a, a, a long chain reaction of distrust, of possible problems with uh, adult intimacy on an appropriate level and a sense of, uh, of deep insecurity. And so coming back to our story, what's the appropriate thing for this family reunion? Who are the people who need protection. Mindy feels her kids need to be protected. Mindy might need to feel protected. 
How about Jeremy? He's probably feeling vulnerable. Yeah, he thought that he did the right thing and that he, you know, he got he they're, they're through this now. What about the old parents? Mm-hmm. And how would you counsel Mindy if, let's say, she chooses to disclose this to the family? So I could imagine any number of reactions from total support and acceptance for her, and also on the other hand total rejection that's right does that happen absolutely I think one thing I hope we're making clear is there is no one right answer for this situation or any situation it needs to be approached probably with some sort of neutral outside person whether it's a clergy person a therapist somebody like that but there isn't any one right answer and people need to talk through the issues and try to figure out in advance what's going to be acceptable, tolerable for all the people involved. Mm-hmm. So for example, in this situation, if Jeremy says, Mindy, I thought that we had gotten past this, but if you feel unsafe uh, with me being around your children, let's work out a way where you know that I'm not going to be alone with the children or something like that. Setting up some boundaries, some yeah, policies up, almost for the right, family. Right, exactly. Policies and protocols that Nothing is going to be fail. It's going to be perfect, but we can at least acknowledge that a problem exists. Because maybe the kids, maybe Jeremy, is really not going. Has no thought. He has worked this through. He has no thought of um, being inappropriate with his nieces or niece and nephew. But Mindy feels scared, and this is actually potentially the most triggering for Mindy. So does Mindy deserve to feel safe at this family reunion? I think so. Yeah. But figuring out that, uh, that happy medium that, that is able to satisfy both of them, I think will be, will be difficult. Right. And you, know, you asked me before, how do people react to this kind of news? And I've heard all kinds of different reactions. Sometimes families are extremely supportive of the person who comes forth, of the family members who comes forth with such an allegation, and other times they are utterly rejecting. And they censor that person, and they say, no, it can't be true, and you must be making it up, and you are um, spreading all kinds of rumors and lies, and you're doing it for attention or some other uh, nefarious need. And if she suspects that that will be the family's response, is it better to not even broach it with them at all? Is that, is that a sort of a dangerous step to take if you're feeling vulnerable? Well, this is a kind of thing, hopefully Mindy has talked about this with somebody that she trusts, maybe in her own personal therapy, she's worked it through. I don't think, the one thing I would say, this is not a good thing to be bringing up on the eve of the family reunion while they're all together. That makes sense. Preparation in advance is really important. Yeah. We've been talking about personal security in the intimate realm of boundary violations having to do with sexual impropriety on a very local level. But it's something that the Jewish community needs to take up on a larger level. Are we doing anything about this? We are doing something about this, and we have to really give Hakarat Hatov some gratitude to the organization known as Sacred Spaces, which we encourage you all to look up online. And they have done a lot of deep and thoughtful work around setting policies for Jewish organizations around sexual impropriety and making sure that 
we keep our our children and all of the people in our community safe right so this is a positive going forward trying to make organizations like schools shuls camps jccs safe and healthy places by anticipating situations that can be complicated and setting up policies and guidelines in advance. So in closing, we urge all of you to go to your, look up the Sacred Space website and get familiar with this. Thanks, Michelle.